welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures that you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we call on our tribesmen to settle the land in Va'aldra. Next up, we call forth our shaman to shape the land in Rahuha. And lastly, we zoom towards the center of the void at a dizzying pace in Hypnosia. I'm your host, Devin Bernstein, filling in for Celeste Angeles this week with my longtime gaming buddies, Mikey Grenier. Hello, little hobbits. And Ed Povolitis. Hi! Okay, we can get gaming as soon as I get done cleaving these 1,000 cards. Oh, I know that feeling. Oh, man. Our first game up this week is Valbra, designed by Oliver Cipere, published by Studio H in 2022. Number of players, two to five, ages 10 and up. The playing time is 25 minutes. Okay, Mike, what's in the box? The cover of the box shows what seems to be a shaman perched atop a snowy mountaintop, sporting a bone scepter and an impressive rack of antlers attached to a scully hat. Inside, we find 51 land cards, 60 character cards, and 75 victory point tokens. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game rose to the occasion... I'm going to give you a very quick overview of how it is played. Va'albara is a card game, a deck management game in which players are clan leaders exploring uncharted lands in order to establish sedentary villages. All players have the same deck of 12 cards representing the members of their tribe. Each turn, players choose secretly one card. Lowest number card plays first. In the order of initiative of the revealed characters, players will be able to activate their powers and take over one of the available territories. Each type of territory has its own way of scoring points. Collection, pair, diversity, risk, and so forth. After nine rounds, the player with the most points wins the game and unites the tribes of the continent under their banner. Hmm. (laughs) Pretty straightforward. We played this game online at Board Game Arena. What do we think? How did it look? I mean, the the art of the cards look uh, really sharp, very colorful. Now, it has a a kind of a, um, I would almost want to say, see, now, computer-generated art look to it. Yeah, I think it's a little more more hand-wrought looking than than it would be if it was like a pure AI, but like it has that like, clean like look to it yeah, very nice clean color look palette. to it no, yeah. it had a lot of sharp colors and neat little background behind them all mm-hmm. yeah it's that depth you know that it gives it in the back in the background it's not just a character on a card you know mm-hmm. it, it it you know there there's uh there's a scenery going on behind it you know with the various you know sort of layers of of depth that mm-hmm. that picture would have yeah um so that is very nice plus each card is kind of its own color theme. And, you know, the blues mm-hmm. highlight the blues, the green ones highlight, you know, the green shades yep. in their cards. So I thought it stood out very nicely. And also even for the actual territories yeah, uh, themselves, which, you know, don't have any characters on them, those those wilderness cards looked, uh, looked very nice as well. 
Yeah, and I thought it's nice when a game like this doesn't have too many icons or words that need to be on the card because you get to really have plenty of extra real estate to enjoy, like the art, the work they put into all the art for the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like this style. There's a so-called full bleed art where it goes right to the edge Mm -hmm. without any border. Yeah. Yeah, Magic Magic did a good thing by by having like series of cards that go right out to the edges. And uh, I think this game benefits from that kind of look as well. And not too many words to read on the card. It's not overwhelming with uh, iconography or, you know, various parts of the card that you have to turn mm-hmm. to the side or read the upturn. <laughs> yeah. part. You know, it's, it's, it's straightforward. So there's, uh, yeah, the, there's enough there, but not too much. Yeah, there. The name of the guy, you know, what he is, you know, it, and then the, uh, the number, of course, the number is the big thing because mm-hmm. all the cards are in their sequence when people play it. And the other interesting thing is, Everybody starts with the same hand of cards. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Everybody got the same yeah, it's thing. Nice. It's just how people play them or the order they play them and what people think the other person is going to do make the mm-hmm. game play out differently. Yeah, it really reminded me of a game that I love called Eggs and Empires, mm-hmm. uh, where you all have a similar hand of like you know, cards that you're going to play. I think it's you know one through ten, and they interact with each other differently. So it's not necessarily... Oh, the highest number wins. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen in interaction. Sometimes you want to play a lower one thinking that other people are going to play the same card as each other and tie and it goes to the next player down or the way that a low card interacts with the rest of the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes and, like the high card only wins if it's the only high card or something like right. that. Or sometimes the low card can sneak in a win if somebody something else is there. Mm-hmm. And and that's yeah. So therefore, you're trying to really kind of save the right card for the right moment, right, Ed? Yeah, for sure, right, Ed. <laughs> Ed has nothing more to say on that. He's like, yeah, he's done done, yeah he, he said it all right there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so. true though, Evan. Like you're you're the cards are being whittled down each round too. It's not like every round you have every card available to you. So you're trying to think is this person going to save this card? Are they thinking this is the time they're going to use it? And you have to play into that or against it, you know? So uh, you'll, you'll catch yourself thinking, you know, somebody and <laughs> suddenly they do something completely unexpected and it really punks your turn. Really. <laughs> right, right, so, right. so what are you saying? Like a, a game like this, you really are trying to get into the psychology of the people playing <laughs> yeah. with you. Cause uh-huh. everybody's like, okay, I know this mm-hmm. is the best card. Mikey already played it. Is Evan yep. ready to strike now with it? Or is he mm-hmm. holding that back for later? If he's holding it for later, I can play it now and get yeah. away with it. But maybe he's so it's the same thing. It sounds like you guys are saying that a good strategy, therefore, to employ would be to kind of play in an unusual manner for yourself mm-hmm. so that your other opponents are kind of tricked up by what you're doing. Yep. Right. And then there's the double reverse psychology where they're like, wait, maybe he's going <laughs> to, you know, it goes deep, you know, like depending on the crowd you're with, it, it can be a completely different story too. Yeah. Like, you know, we know, we know how each other plays a little bit, you know, like Evan, you're sort of conservative, but you like to make people feel terrible. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know I'm, joking, I'm joking. No, no, no. But like, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, if you know your opponent, sometimes it's helpful. And honestly, sometimes it might be not so helpful in a game like, like this. Okay, Evans right now is in reverse mode. So normally he would do this, but he's in reverse mode. So he can do this other thing. Yeah, it can just get really convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> you can also, over time, like playing with friends or people you don't really know, to 
to be like a poker player where you build up a reputation for bluffing or for doing something weird and people start to learn what your reputation is like and you can use that to your advantage by, oh, he thinks I'm always going to lead strong. I've done it the last four turns in a row. This time I'm going to lead weak, you know. I think the other thing is going to change up that strategy is the cards that are in the middle because we're trying mm-hmm. to build, mm-hmm. you know, sets and, you know, different cards might be more valuable to you than other players. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at that that card and like, hey, you know what? I need this card, but I don't think anybody else wants it. So I'm going to go ahead and go middling or something. Yeah, exactly. Don't waste your good card when there's any of the cards up there could do for you at that moment or none of them are really appealing. That's the time to kind of lay back and, and conserve a little bit. Right. But that's right. And the flip side, it's just like, oh, wow, this card is really good for both me and Mikey. Mm-hmm. How, hard is, how high is Mikey going to go for it? I need to go just one higher than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Don't forget your tribesmen are, 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 are fighting over territory, claims mm-hmm. to certain territory. Yep. And the winner of a, of a round will pick up that card. And each of those territory cards have their own icon. And then, you know, sets of icons will score you points or having one of each different icon will set will, will get you a set of points. There's lots of different, you know, ways to score. And as a result, maybe depending on how your battles go early on, you might have to switch gears a little bit sure. and go for a different strategy and start collecting yeah. some other territories. Yep, it's yeah. nice to have your plan C or your plan B or your plan F. Or- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, I'm kind of vaguely remembering a type of card in here that was something like a tiebreaker card where it put in order which symbols were going to be like dominant that right. turn. Because everybody yeah. can play the same card. Mm-hmm. And in that case, then it has a, a sort of randomized tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got to pay attention to that. Too. Randomized. Yeah, because you're like, listen, I, ha- I am ahead in the tiebreaker like order. Mm-hmm. So this turn, so, so I can even play if Mikey goes play the big card, I'm gonna win the tiebreaker. Ha. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's when you can, and and you can also look at people's territory they've already accrued because you can tell what kind of bonuses they're going for, mm-hmm. and you could be like, he really is gonna want this card, like you know. So what do I do in that situation? So lots to think about. All right, it's time to dig up or bury Va Albara. We're going to start with Mike. All right. Well, this game will definitely have you saying, no, why'd you do that? (laughs) At least it did that to me. Um, It's got great psych out moments, lots of opportunities to be extremely wrong about what your friends or or co-players are plotting. So for all those reasons, I would dig this up. Ed? We have seen this mechanic in a few other games that know they have the same had a card with cards that trigger off other cards or different abilities would make this one look really nice. And I think the the, the playoff of the dynamics of the, getting the, the, the territories that's interesting. So I want to try it again. For that reason, I'll dig it up. Nice. Well, Valbar is easy to learn. It's easy to play. And it offers a good enough set of choices, I think, to make for... Well, it goes quickly. It's a relatively quick game. But you can play this game with either casual players or serious gamers. So it appeals to a wide audience. Dig it up. Ed, would you like to do the outro yeah. for this segment? Mm-hmm. So, do you like to bring out your heavy hitters first off, or you like to keep them in reserve? Let us know. We are at with Game First on all social media. 
Hey team, which game first? It's 2024. We are busy. What are we up to? Ooh, Mike, you got some things for us? It's a new year. Actually, um, what I'm doing lately is scouting out like local designers and uh, local cons, like smaller ones, just to see what's going on out there. I want to see what my community is up to. So I'll be going very shortly, I think next month, to a, uh, a convention that's right in Jamaica, Queens. So a little short little train ride for me. So I'll, uh, I'll let you guys know if I see anything really cool out there, but that's what I'm up to. Hey, cool. Cool. How about you, Ed? What's new? Oh, well, you know, on Monday night, we're doing the board game now and board game arena every night now mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Switching up some times on you guys. I hope you're ready. <laughs> Monday, ni- <laughs> Monday nights at 8 o'clock. We play games live and we want you to join us because it's a lot of fun watching, learning. Mm-hmm. It's our first time playing those games, so we're exploring. We want you to explore with us because there's a lot of interaction that we do with you while we explore these games, play trivia games with you, among other things. So please be sure to join us. Yeah. And of course, thank you to our patrons out there. Thanks, for patrons. We would not be able to pay the bills to continue to keep this going. So your support is so critical and very much appreciated. And we would love for you, if you're not yet, to become a patron of Which Game First, a board game podcast. We only ask $3 a month, one basic rate. If you can, please help us out. Go to our website at whichgamefirst.com. Become a patron. It's all right there. And when you become a patron, you get a special podcast just for yourself, exclusively for patrons of Which Game First, called Bonus Points. Bonus Points. (laughs) Bonus points just for you, in which we cover a range of topics having to do with gaming and not having to do with gaming. (laughs) (laughs) And so many different things that that we talk about. But that podcast is just for you, patrons. So it's our way of saying thank you so much for continuing to support us. So thank you all, and we'll see you out there. Thank you. See ya. Our next game up this week is Rauha. Ooh, uh. Designed by Johannes Guppy and Theo Riviere. Published by Grr Games. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's how I'm pronouncing it. G-R-R-R-E, right? Games. Grr Games. In 2023, number of players, two to five, ages 10 and up, playing time, 45 minutes. Mike, what is in that box? The cover of the box shows three silhouette, uh, the silhouettes of four very different shaman seemingly having a collective vision of a beautiful future where clear water cascades down a mountainside into a beautiful pool guarded by a white dragon. Inside we see 45 spore tokens, 40 age 1 biome cards, 40 age 2 biome cards, 7 divine entity tiles, 5 energy tokens, 5 avatars, 37 crystals, 15 other types of crystals, 6 100 plus point tokens, 5 satellite boards, 5 player boards, a black hole board, a central scoring board, and game aid, and 2 little side pieces to attach. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you... (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's a hefty box. Wow. With a black hole in the center. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Before we tell you... If Rauha called a, caused a brouhaha, 
I need to give you a quick overview of how it's played. I hope this is quick enough. Rauha is a card drafting game where you are a venerable shaman whose divine powers allow you to shape your environment in order to turn this world into a cradle of life energy, a keeper of serenity, and harmony for centuries to come. Oh, sounds nice. The game plays in two ages. In age one, there's vegetation, terrain, and wildlife that will appear. And in age two, civilizations will thrive. I guess each age looks like it has four rounds, each divided into three turns, followed by a scoring phase. There are five steps. Here they are. First, you simultaneously take all biome cards from the satellite whose symbol matches the one beneath your avatar on your player board. Number two, you choose one card to place on any square of your player board or discard to that dreaded black hole. Third, Receive a divine entity if you create a row or column of matching symbols on your player board. Number four, activate your avatar, plus any divine entities in the same row or column as your avatar. Five, move your avatar one notch clockwise along the edge of your player board, changing the row or column that will be activated on the next turn. During the scoring phase, you'll activate all your biomes with your spore tokens and any divine entities that you may have gaining crystals and points, as shown on the components. Obtain the most life energy to win the game, while all other players must tremble in fear of your immense shamanatic power. Shamanatic. Shamanamadig dong. Shamanama party. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, there's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The game was played on Board Game Arena. I did not play this game. Oh, no, Evan. Oh, no. But Ed and Mike did, so I'm going to be peppering you guys with questions. Love it. So let's start with how did the game look? Uh, Ed, what do you think? You want to go first? Yeah, sure. I like the art style. It has a kind of um, an old worldy feel to it. It Mm. does have like you know another world. It's kind of brewing. It has a nice uh, softer edges to the colors and and into the line art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the background is kind of like a sepia, almost like a map. Yeah, like, but not really. And then mm. it kind of looks like the colors are tearing their way through it, which I thought was a really cool artistic style. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was enough. Oh yeah, they yeah. do. They sort of emerge from the background, mm-hmm. almost right. th- three dimensionally. Yeah, I like that. That was kind of kind of unique, you know. And uh, yeah, the symbology or, or each little territory, even though it represented basically the same thing for its category. Still, each one of them looked different. Like if there was a fallow area on the board, it didn't look exactly like the other fallow area, but by the color scheme, you knew exactly what it was. And they added a little symbol in there to make sure you were 100% sure what it was going to be doing. I mean, it definitely yeah, helps so that the course. symbology includes hexes. Yeah. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> gotta have hexes. But yeah, like you said, I like that sepia tone. And then all of a sudden, this bit of color really draws your eye to it. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. oh, plain, plain, no sepia. And then, Green tree, whoa, yep. where did yeah. that come from? Yeah, it kind of actually played into the theme that, I mean, I you know, and I'm not 100% sure what the theme was because I didn't read the description of it, but if I was to guess, it was this, these shaman are trying to bring back, you know, this fallow yeah. earth. and, and We're trying to bring life, life into back it. into the yeah. dead world. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it really showed, and the, the theme really showed in the coloration that they used for this. Neat. And this is a tableau building. Yeah, I mean, you have like a, a little nine by nine grid in front of you that that your your own 
world that you're building. You're competing yep. to build a better world. And it, it was kind of interesting how the the scoring on that tableau worked because there was a little token. That it was so it was a three by three, like nine squares, you know, kind of grid. situation grid. And then there is a token that for each turn would rotate to another row or column. So like wherever the, the thing was pointing, you're scoring that row or that column that turn. And it went all the way around the board. So as you're building your board, you know, your really good tiles could score multiple times if you put it in the right spot when that token was going to be scoring or that row. the perfect card is right there, except for that area is not going to score now. I know, oh. that's rough. You're like, yeah, that, that, is the, that is the main thing. You could have an awesome looking tableau. And by the end game state, people could look at your tableau and go, man, he must have scored a ton. But if the timing wasn't right of when you played those cards or, or you know, those tiles or enhanced them, you wouldn't score anything for them sometimes or like, yeah. you know, just very low score. So it's really yeah. right. Right. Because so you have to score- make that balance of mm-hmm. what is the best tile or what is the best tile for right now? Yeah. Or if you're real smart, what is the pot best tile for the future? Because early in the game, you're like, you know, you could play something where it's not going to score right now, mm-hmm. but you know it's going to score twice when it's at its peak because of the way that the turns are going to go. Right, right. So that's now, really the turn into the future like a real shaman. <laughs> exactly. Why are, why are spores important in this game? The spores are a way to activate abilities. Mm-hmm. So you'll yep. put spore counters on stuff and, you know, when something activates, you'll be actually also be able to activate the ones with spores on them. Mm-hmm. I had a, a very spore-heavy strategy going on into the game. I, <laughs> you were yeah, highly invested in spore. I, I was a big spore guy in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Bullish on the spore market. Yeah, well, I mean, I play a lot of Magic the Gathering, you know, so I want action economy. Like, I want, you know, like, so my spores were, like, doubling, tripling the things I was able to do on the board, really. So it was... You have to have a few things other than spores to actually make it worthwhile, mm-hmm. but um, but I went heavy on them and and really relied on them to bump my score up. I mean, like most people, like more actions means more awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that's that just a sense. general rule, general gaming rule. <laughs> uh, um, any other any other thoughts on the game that we didn't touch on? It sounds like a lot of things we already got to. Well, well another thing that really get in touch. To my son, and there uh, in the center board, there's mm. this nice little file keeping track of your score. But that's also what the divine entities are, and mm-hmm. you're kind of competing to bring those divine entities to your side. And yeah. if you if you do, you'll get extra bonus actions or bonus resources. I see. Um, you get some the trigger, of them straight up score. Mikey yeah. will come around and summon that same one to his side and go, "Hey, that was my oh. divine being. What are you doing?" Yeah, that's the most painful one. You have the perfect divine being for your thing. Like one of them just straight up like scores points for you when that type of card is activated. And you have a, like the spore guy. He just gives you like three straight up victory points. I think it was when, when, um, when one of the spores gets activated. I think it was. But like, yeah, I and mean, it's perfect somebody for my giving board. you straight up victory points, you know, somebody else is going to be looking at them. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. Yeah. And it might not be as good for them, but you can use that strategy of kind of um, I can't remember the name of the strategy, but it's when uh, you basically take something that's not as valuable for yourself just so somebody else doesn't get it. <laughs> Right, right, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah you yeah. block them, basically. Yeah. Too much of a good thing for Mikey over there. So I, I know right. Mikey's just going to know. 
abuse that. So maybe mm-hmm. just take it for a little while. Yeah, I, I kind of, that's one of my fun things that I do in a game is to put something out there. I mean, I know it's not a good tactic for winning, but it does make the game more exciting where I put something out there that's so egregiously like going to score me a bunch of points that people like fight over it and come after it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't feel great when they do succeed and take it away from me, but I love to put the challenge out there. Like stop me or, you know, you have to stop me or else it's over right, right now. So. They throw wow. the gauntlet down. I do. I throw the gauntlet Instigating. down. <laughs> yep. Instigating. That's what happens. Did we, when... oh, did we touch on the black hole? What's that about? Black hole. Uh, I th- yeah, it's um, it's the it's kind of just like discard area, right? Ed, I yeah, think. yeah. Oh, is that all? Yeah, that is? That's just a place to, uh, to put things that have been you know removed from the game. Yeah, that's interesting. They made a whole component for a game just for a discard. Yeah, I think it makes your uh, opponents when you throw away something they really wanted into the black hole, it makes them cry. So it's it's really nice. Like <laughs> goodbye to this awesome thing you wanted. <laughs> into the yeah, black hole. And you can also make that kind of vortex sucking sound, <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> well, Someday, I think yeah. one of the things we played this on Board Game Arena. So Board Game Arena was doing a lot of this stuff for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that's one of the downsides of playing on board game arena because yeah. we don't necessarily get to see and feel the components and mm-hmm. you right. know it's like like black hole. I don't remember there being black hole. I think board game arena <laughs> yeah. just says like, oh, did you lost it. Whoop, bye. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's literally just a discard area, but like it, it just it's a cool feel. I think they they took a little extra care on making sure the theme showed in this game, even though it looks at first glance, you know, there's a lot of sepia here, but like. When you play the game, you understand why each component is there and how it fits into the theme. All right. Well, it sounds like it's time to dig up a berry. Rauha. <laughs> We're going to start with Ed. Uh, I like the interesting look of this game. And you're building a new world with resources. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't new like to take resources and build world? Turn order will put some luck of the draw on getting the, the perfect Otherwise, I'd like to see this in action again, so I'll dig it up. Mikey? The scoring mechanism in this game was kind of fresh to me. Like I really liked the way that worked and, and the planning it forced me to make, other than just getting the best cards and slapping them on the board. Um, I was left wondering what would I do differently next time, which is always a good sign in a game like this. Um, there's enough choice and replayability here for me, so I'll dig it up. So what well, kind of world would you build if you had to clay? Let us know. <laughs> we are at which game first. Our last game up this week is Hypnosia. Hypnosia. <clears throat> Designed by Renaud Yosef or Joseph and Adam Nova- Novotny. Published by, well, it was self-published in 2018. <laughs> that was a good sign. 2018, can you believe that? <laughs> Number of players, two to six. Ages not listed, so beware. But the playing time, they say, is 20 minutes. All right, Mikey, what's in the box? The cover of the box looks kind of like a child imagining what it looks like inside the large Hadron Collider when Adam <laughs> smashed together. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> but they only had stamps of circles and lines to draw it with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> uh, inside, we find a board, two dice, and 24 pawns. And that's what's in the box. Ooh, not much in that box, no, is there? It's uh, pretty straightforward here. 
Well, before we tell you if this game was hypnotic, hypnotic. I have to give you a quick overview of how it's played, assuming I can. <laughs> Hypnosia is a Ludo-style race game with no theme whatsoever. Get as many of your get as many of your four pawns into the center of the board without being captured in the process. Where have we heard and played that? Before? Yeah. On a turn, a player will roll two d six. You're going to move one or two of your pawns, the number of spaces indicated by each die. Now, this is important. A player must burn all the points of a die, so you can't stop short. If you're rolling a five and a four, you got to burn the five, all five spots. you got to burn all four spots. <laughs> pawns move in a counterclockwise direction. Okay. Now, some locations are special. They have, they're double colored. They have two colors on them. These permit a pawn to enter the next inner circle by crossing a bridge. The pawn must first land on the special space, and only then can it move into the next inner circle, either, use, either using the next turn or in the same turn if the pawn landed on the special space using the first die. Mm -hmm. A pawn can't move back to an outer circle. Once it's heading in, you can't go back out. Your pawns can stack, though. Meaning you can move two pawns together with the same roll. So stack up those pawns and move them together and get the most out of your rolls. But watch out! Your pawns can also be captured by other players. Yeah. Of course they can. Capturing those doubles. Oh boy. Play until all five spaces in the middle of the board get filled. Or if players have all their pawns captured and like removed from the game. Most points wins and declares themselves the hippiest hipster of hypnosia. <laughs> that, I, I made that part. The up, hippiest but, you know, hipster of hypnosia, which is not even really a word. Hypnosia. I went to look up. Is it hypnosia really a word? No. And apparently it is not. It was created by the game designers. Mm -hmm. This Ludo style game. All right. Let's talk about, well, what we always talk about first, the artwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the art. In this game, to use the term generously, is um, it, it's it's the way it is because I think <laughs> it's just a prototype game. Mm, That's okay. my feel. It, it has that look like and it, feel yeah. of being a prototype. It's like, all right, the very simple single color thing. Uh, let me find um a swirl or throw it in the background that gives people a hypnotic feel, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and circles and lines. Circles. And and lines. That's it. Uh, no, With one colors. thing I will give them credit for one thing on the art all right and you know that's the only thing they're going to get credit for the art because the rest of it is pretty ugly but they have you're going counterclockwise in this game which i hate but they have a swirling thing in the background that looks like it's spinning counterclockwise so at least there's that you know at least you have the idea that you're going counterclockwise because of the art i'll give them credit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're being flushed down the toilet yeah, in the right. correct right. direction. <laughs> Space in toilet. Kind of, yeah. It, it, it does look like Tidy Bowl going down the bowl. <laughs> it does. Kind of the background. Yeah, because it doesn't what? say anything about space, so it's not like a black hole. It's like light blue with white, you know, so it looks like a toilet bowl. You're getting flushed. Yeah, it, <laughs> right? It does. That's how you have to describe it to someone, you know. Yeah, flushing Skittles a down a toilet. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so moving right. Uh, what are we doing here? It's, I mean, what, what's what? What was your strategy, Mike? Uh, you know, 
to roll really good, I guess. <laughs> yes, <Without> a- <laughs> okay. That, and you have all the control in the world over that. Yeah, of course. You have every everything at your disposal to make great choices in this game. Uh, two dice rolling. Um, you can combine them or split them up, right? Like basically yeah. you have one piece. Thanks, two. Mikey. You have double the choices of most other Ludo games. That's and they don't true. have one die. You have two dice. Right, or yeah. one double, card, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, the choices. Yeah, and also it wasn't as high of a barrier to escaping your starting area than in most Ludo games, right? Like, um, what did you need? You needed, um, you didn't need anything to escape it, but you had a bunch of starter spaces that you had to pass by to get out of there. I think the, you had to dro- uh, roll a one, two, three, or four based on the number of spaces in the start. Because you notice here, like, right. your starting area is one, like, at four cubes. Yeah, so your number you four had a one, one through four, four, you can move the cube that was in here in the first or the fourth place out. Right. right, right. That was that was a lot easier than a regular Ludo game to yeah. get And I believe there was a rule you couldn't stack in the starting position. You had to wait until right. you're in the circles in order to start your stack. Yep, yep, yep. True. Man, I thought I had the game made. Like, I, you know, the capturing... Whew, guys. <laughs> capture points. And what Capturing. happens when you capture? Ed capture was a... way behind. He's on the outer circle. I'm on the inner circle yep. just waiting for my three I needed to roll or something like that. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Ed starts gobbling up pieces from behind. Just, oh, look at that lucky roll. <laughs> slam, look at that slam, lucky slam. roll. Just eliminated. Like, you can be eliminated from this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, fully eliminated. Yeah, well, I mean, like you guys had the the lucky rolls of first getting into the center because this is, is a all about a, a game all about rolling the exact roll. Oh, the exact God, roll and land on that spot so you can actually start moving to the center, and then yeah. in order to get to the next one, you got to roll by exact count again on the next mm-hmm. thing to get to the next row, and then by exact count get to the next thing in order to get to the next thing. Or mm-hmm. if you're really lucky, exact count land on yourself, you can move two things at once. But then yeah. you have to break up the family in order to move into the next circle. Or yeah, by exact need... count, in order when you're jacked up only, <laughs> oh, so land cool. on another person to take them out of the game. Uh-huh. And to get into the center, you need to roll a one. Yeah. Period. No That's other it. roll does it. You have to land on the spot that lets you into the center and then roll a one to get into the center. Now that's one of your favorite all-time oh, mechanics of a game. Oh, like, exact, exact roll madness. to move I your piece it. to safety. And this game has a minimum per player of fifteen exact rolls to get to the center. <laughs> you know, for, for all your pieces, because <laughs> you have, the- each row has an exact spot, and if you miss it, you go back around. You start going back around again. So it Mikey, gives you that, sin- Mikey. Uh, when you think about it, uh, it was a mercy. I was taking the pieces out. <laughs> right. I only needed one right. roll. Of- <laughs> I mean, think about it. This is the equivalent of those horror movies oh. where the person is trying to escape the bad thing chasing them. They mm-hmm. run up to the locked door. They're pounding on yeah. the door. Let me in, let me in. <laughs> and so they get pounced at the yeah. final moment. Or they that's get to the like car waiting. that doesn't start. You know, they're yeah. like- <laughs> That's what it's like waiting for that exact number oh. one to roll into Ooh. safety to the center because here they come from yeah. behind you. Oh, they're, yeah. they're coming up on you. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and you have to get the exact, you know, you have to get the exact rolls. Like if you don't, you have to use the dice. Mm-hmm. So like I was there. All I needed to do was be there and roll a one. Nope, no good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and each 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 circle stops you at that spot. Mm-hmm. In other words, like you can't just you know, you can't just keep go. Like you have to go past the spot you want to go to. Right. And- yeah. You know, it's a circle, so you. Just- Keep on going. If it's not where you want to land, too bad. You just keep on going and you stop where you stop. Yep, yep. 
And if yeah, that, that happened and- to put you in the perfect spot to get gobbled up, you get gobbled up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what, oh, double double thing here. When you get gobbled up, that person who does the gobbling gets points. Oh yeah, yes. Because why right. not give them you know extra yeah, incentive? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, negative is- point for the other player, the double whammy. Oh yeah, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. That's right. Because I believe the same, if I don't have the board game and uh, the 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 board in front of me, but I think each of the there's five spots in the center, five safety spots, mm-hmm. and the yep. game ends when the fifth spot's occupied. Oh, but yeah. Did each of those five spots have a different point? Yes. Yeah, the first one to get into the center gets more points than the last one in. Right. So yeah. it's five, four, three, two, one. So there's only 15 points to gain mm-hmm. from the center. So you you're. So it really puts the the race chase on you. You you are dying to get into those first couple mm-hmm. of spa- safety spaces because of the points available, and but that makes you the target, of course. Of course, not that you could have a target. I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> random. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we run round and round with this one. I think that's about all we're going to squeeze mm-hmm. out of it. It's time to a dig up or a bury hypnosia, Mike. Uh, this was Ludo exact number hate madness on steroids. I just, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you did it though. <laughs> yeah, I did do it. I mean, sorry out there, people who love Ludo. I just, uh, I don't need a million choices, but come on, give me a break here. I got to bury this. Ed. Well, you know, I'm not particularly <laughs> interested in Ludo games to begin. And they're kind of like, they're boring, they're stale, they don't really have a lot of theme, it's very abstract, and, you know, not a lot of excitement, and this game uh, doesn't change that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> the only mercy, though, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that the game will end. Yes. Very. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hypnosia, yep, it sure is Ludo, there's no escaping that fact. Uh, it has some rules that help to make the game kind of go faster than other Ludo games. The stacking, the capturing, but in the end, like you guys said, it's still Ludo with all of its Ludo-esque limitations <laughs> and limitations on the excitement. Hmm. It ain't much. Bury this game. So, what are your favorite Ludo sorry mechanics? If you haven't, <laughs> let us know. We are at which game for came in a little hot there but that does bring us to the end of our show and we look forward to hearing all about the game exploring that you've been doing if you'd like more perks content from our show including our exclusive episodes just three dollars a month go to our website click on our patron button become a supporter today of which game first and if you get a chance don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster or wherever you post about such things because it helps others find the show. Join our chat on Discord server, Which Game First, patron supporters. We will see you there. Happy gaming, explorers. Welcome when to When you hypnosia. get captured in Hypnosia, you go to Valbara! <laughs> <laughs> round and round we go.